this water for me? Yes, sir. Got your name. Yeah, wonderful. All right, we're in Matthew chapter 26. Now, your your preacher is. Um, I told my son when I left in 2013. Um, I told him. He said, Dad, what advice do you have for me? I said, well, when you have something, you need to run it through wise men. And I said, he said, well, who do you have in mind? I said, I have Dave Dunbar in mind. He's a wise man. He's walked with the Lord. He knows the Lord. He knows church work. And he'll give you good advice and stick with that. And so um, that he has done that. Has he not, preacher? He has called you. And uh, I appreciate your pastor, and I value his friendship. I value his thoughts about things, and um, our fellowship, just sweet and wonderful. His wife, I don't think she's in here right now, but his wife we, we uh, refer to as the queen of hospitality because we travel from church to church, and nobody does it better than she does. And uh, she had, when we walked in our, our motel room, you don't know this, there's a, a flowers ready for us, and there's a, a, a basket of goodies and uh, just niceties and things and notes, and she had already gone up there and set all of that up for us, and uh, just she I'm gluten free. I don't anybody here gluten free? Probably not. A couple. Okay, uh, I'm gluten free, so I can't. There's certain things I can't have, but boy, do I wish I could. And I don't need it. I'm not saying I need it. I'm just saying I like it. And uh, so she always tells me, now when you come, I'm going to have gluten-free waffles for you. Wow, gluten-free waffles. That's, that's a delicacy for me. And so on Monday, we're going over to their house, and I'm going to have waffles. <laughs> and uh, so the queen, queen of hospitality. We love the, the Dunbars, and we love your church. Good to see all of you again. Some new faces. I got to meet Nick and uh, some others uh, that I didn't know before, and we're real glad to be here with you. Now, I want you to listen to every word in the message today. Uh, we're in Matthew 26 and verse 20. Now, when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. <clears throat> and as he did eat... He said, Verily I say unto you, one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. Now, I'm speaking to four groups this morning. Someone has said that there are three groups in every church, there's those who make it happen and those who watch what's happening and those who wonder what's happening. Um, uh, there's Somebody said, well, no, there's the th there are three groups, but they're not divided like that. It's the plus-plus group. They say, I can do it and you can do it and let's get it done. And there's the plus-minus group. They, they say, I can do it, but you can't do it, so get out of my way so I can do it. And there's the minus-minus group, and they say, I can't do it, and you can't do it, and whoever brought it up anyway. And so uh, there are different groups in the church. I don't know, there may be some truth in those. Uh, although Christianity won't fit nicely 
into uh, three or four groups. There are four groups in this passage. Uh, there are 13 in the upper room. Now, if you don't get the introduction, you, you messed up the whole message. You won't get the message, all right? So the introduction. There are 13 in the upper room. There's Christ and the 12 disciples. Uh, in verse 21, at the table of the Lord's Supper, the Lord said, One of you shall betray me. And immediately all the disciples began to ask one by one, Is it I? And in John 13, 26, we have the sequel passage. And it's, Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give the sop uh, when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And so a sop is just a piece of bread that's dipped uh, in a dish. And then Judas left. When he, he gave him the sop, he left, uh, and the disciples uh, left him, Christ and the disciples, and he betrayed Christ. That's Judas Iscariot. Meanwhile now, there are how many left in the upper room? Twelve. Everybody with me? There's twelve. Uh, meanwhile, Jesus left and went to Gethsemane to pray, and we assume that he took all 11 disciples with him um, since Judas had left. And so Jesus and the 11 went to the garden. Now, when he comes to the border of the garden in Matthew 16, I'm sorry, 26, and verse 36, the Bible says, and you need to see this, I'll wait till you get there, Matthew 26, 36, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and, and pray yonder. Now he is, we assume that he addressed this to eight of the disciples because uh, in verse 37 it says that he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be very sorrowful and very heavy. And so those two sons of Zebedee were James and John. And so Peter, James, and John went on deeper into the garden with Jesus. And if he took three with him from 11 disciples, that leaves eight that he left out on the border of the garden. And in verse... Um, 38, he gave an assignment to the three disciples that went into the garden with him. In verse 38, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And the three waited there, and he, they watched with him. And then finally, in verse 39, the Bible says, And he went a little farther, further, and fell on his face, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Again, a companion passage in Luke 22, verse 43, it records that he prayed it in the words that you and I remember, Not my will, but thine be done. So there are four groups in this passage. There's one who was disloyal, and he left, and he betrayed his leader. 
There are the eight who sat around on the periphery, and they were just on the edge of what was happening. There were three who went a little deeper into the garden, and they went a little farther, further than all the others with Jesus. And there's one who made it alone to the inner garden, and he prayed, not as I will, but as thou wilt. I'm preaching this morning on four groups in the church. In which group are you? Let's bow for prayer. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll help me now to say things in the right manner, and Lord, that it will be a challenge. I pray, O oh God, that we will accept that challenge. I pray, O oh Lord, that you will stir hearts in this place, that, Lord, this is a good church. That means it has good, uh, solid believers in it. And yet, Lord, where good, solid believers are, sometimes we get off target. I pray in Jesus' name that you will stir us to get back on target if we're off. I pray, O oh Lord, that uh, we get to thinking a wrong way. But, Lord, that's true of all of us from time to time. But when we do, we have to shake ourselves and get back to thinking right. And so, Father, I pray today that you will do your work in your people's lives in this place right now. And if there is one who is lost, I pray that lost one would come to Christ before it's everlasting too late. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have three points today. First, I want you to see um, the difference of position. There are three differences about these uh, different groups. First, a difference in position. Where is Jesus? Well, he's alone in the garden. Uh, where are the three? Well, they're not quite to the center of the garden, but they're closer to Christ than the eight are. We'd all have to agree to that. They're closer. Where are the eight? Well, the eight are out on the edge of the garden, uh, nowhere near the action or, or the travail that's going on in Christ's life in prayer Nowhere near any of that. Where's Judas? Well, Judas is outside the garden gathering the scribes and the Pharisees to betray Christ. Actually, the largest group of eight is nearer or at least as near to Jesus than they are to, to, to um, they're as near to Judas as they are to Jesus. Though they were not against Jesus, it wouldn't have taken many steps for them to step out of the garden and join Judas. Just a few more steps and they might have agreed with Judas and been part of the uprising and the betrayal, we don't know. But just a few more steps and they would have been with the liberals and the hypocrites who crucified Christ. These eight had been part of the twelve disciples. Indeed, they were even at this moment. But that didn't translate to loyalty as we found out with Judas, or a oneness of heart, or a lifting up of Christ's hands, and Christ knew it. Christ, this is interesting, Christ knew it, and he left them out on the edge. Uh, they were on the edge, and they stayed on the edge. They could have gone either way, and I wonder if they were second-guessing Jesus and what he was doing as far as making himself vulnerable and even available to the authorities. The other group of three, they were closer to Jesus, and Jesus was alone in the garden. I want you to notice something. 
that leadership is often alone. If you're going to be a leader, you've got to be willing to stand alone. And Jesus was willing to do that. So first, there's a difference in position. Number two, there was a difference in size of these groups. The one uh, disgruntled Judas had his own agenda that was different from Jesus Christ and was determined to gain others to join in his criticism of his leader. And he thought he knew better than Jesus Christ knew of what ought to take place here. We have that today as rebels post their criticism on Facebook and social media and how they don't like this decision. They think that the church and this is a common thing and it's ignorance. But they say, well, you're legalistic, uh, all of that kind of stuff. They put up all kinds of things on the web um, and it's wicked. And uh, this is what you would agree, everybody here would agree, what Judas did was wicked. Yes, and so is that. When you put something up there um, to tear down the house of God, the church that you attended, the pastor that you have who uh, loves and prays for you, that's wicked. Well, so we have the group of one, difference in size now, one group of one. Then we have a group of eight on the edge. They were not far from Judas, not far from the Pharisees, not far from total disloyalty and selling out and leaving. They had their foot maybe in both uh, places, uh, some of them. This group of eight was the largest group along for the ride, so it seems they're willing to let Jesus run in and do this battle by himself. Listen, they aren't against Jesus. I'm not saying that they were against Jesus. They were mostly faithful and they have followed him for three years. They don't hate Jesus, they aren't, but they aren't near him either. They didn't strive to be near him when he said, stay out here. None of them objected to that. They were uh, skeptical and fearful. Um, but when he needs volunteers, they're silent. They aren't reliable to work with him on his vision. They become distracted by their own burdens. They won't commit to help with the tasks that arise and that arose here. Uh, they shy away from becoming a leader, especially in times of conflict. They don't want to be the one standing alone. Uh, they need more backbone, truly. Uh, every church has this largest group. They want to be called disciples, that's for sure. They want to be called members, perhaps. Uh, I'm a Christian pastor, they may say, to be uh, convincing. But the truth is, they camp closer to the gossip and maybe on social media or Facebook or, or by phone or by email, they listen to the disloyal words of others, and they shouldn't. Listen, when somebody leaves the church, we ought to just let them go. If they don't want to be here, they don't want to be here. Don't keep in contact and keep talking to them and listen to their Tommy rot. Right. Don't do that. Now, they stay in close contact with the backslidden, to the world's talk, to the world's dress, some to Judas. Gethsemane was a fierce battlefield for Jesus Christ. But when they, he faced the hottest battle, they were the farthest from it. They had no idea of what was going on in the inner garden. They didn't want to know. 
If they wanted to know, they would have followed him in somehow. When the eight or objected to uh, staying out there, when the eight could have helped him so much, they shied away. They stayed on the fringe as spectators, watching what would happen. Just see, see how it all goes, how it all plays out. That's not loyalty. That's not uh, leadership. They were probably relieved that Jesus didn't ask them to go any further. This biggest group that could have made the biggest difference made no difference. Now, brethren, we all are churches. We have all that we need in most churches. We have everything that Christ has placed in the church. We have all we need. If we do what we're supposed to do, and if we sell out to Christ's cause, we could truly turn our community upside down for Christ. But some won't tithe. Others won't go out to visit anybody else for Christ and invite them to come to church. When a pastor talks about inviting somebody, they clam up and say, well, that would be everybody else but me because I'm shy. Listen, we're all shy. Well, none of us are just, are, we'd love to do that. It's the fact that we're commanded to do it and that we care for souls that we do it. And so we ought to kick ourselves to do it a little more. Um, or they won't inconvenience themselves to be involved in a ministry. Or uh, they're cutting themselves too much slack. That happens in a church where we get a little lazy and we cut ourselves a little slack, say, well, I need to just back off here and I need to back off there. And they won't give themselves to biblical standards or to personal and family devotions or they refuse to go to the altar and any number of other things. This biggest group could make a huge difference if they would be committed to go all the way with Christ. That's what ought to happen. They ought to be willing to go all the way, but they won't. They want, they're too wrapped up in their world and their selves and their circumstances. If the spirits in the spiritual realm, if you really want to see revival, you can't be on the edge. Are you listening to me? You cannot be on the edge and claim that you want revival. You can't be out on the periphery somewhere. There's no revival out there. You can't be A-W-O-L doing your own thing when the Lord and the church and the pastor needs you to be strong. You can't do that. You can't be wavering and powerless and uninvolved and unconcerned and uncommitted and distracted and lukewarm. You need to be all in. Now, I said that in one church, and it was in an area where they have a lot of casinos, and a guy came up to me afterward, and he said, do you know that that term that you said all in, that's a gambling term, that they, they gamble and they push everything to the center? And I'm not a gambler, and I didn't know that, but I do believe that we ought to be all in. Uh, it's time to shake ourselves, to get back to our church, and get back to our responsibilities in the church. It's time. If you're going to see things move forward in this church, you can't be in the group of eight. If you're sincere, you want this church to go forward. You want it to be the beacon. You want it to shine brightly to this community. You want to win people to Christ. 
you can't be on the group of eight out on the periphery somewhere. Brethren, the closer you get to Jesus, the more elbow room there is. <coughs> Remember, Jesus was all alone, and he went all the way. He sold out, and he prayed, Not my will, but thine be done. Thine be done. And we are to walk in his steps. Hmm, interesting link. He went all the way. And we're to follow him, walk in his steps. Have you ever said, God, I'm willing to do anything, everything that you want me to do, give anything, sacrifice anything, I'll go anywhere. I'm willing to be misunderstood, even hurt, but I'm willing to stand with you. Right, have you ever said that? Lord, I'm yours. I'm at your disposal. Not my will, but thine be done. Brethren, life is lonely in Gethsemane because not many are willing to get down to business with God or to stay down to business with God. They get down to business and then they get distracted and away from it. We ought to allow ourselves to get back in line and not be distracted. The largest group of eight could have made a great difference. We're talking about difference in size now. The group of three... Well, the group of three was much smaller, you have to agree, um, than the group of eight. At least they were closer to Jesus in the, in the struggle that he had. But look at what happened to him in verse, to them in verse 40. When Jesus asked them to pray, what did they do? Huh? They fell asleep. When he asked them to watch and pray, they fell asleep. Even the three nearest to Jesus slept on the job. If they were near and fell asleep, those who were near fell asleep, what do you think the ones out on the fringe did? Man, it must have been an octet of snoring going on out there, I think. I don't know. Dear friend, in which group are you today? Are you in the group of one, peddling sour grapes to others? A scorner, betrayer, maybe you're undermining your authority, nobody knows, not too many know it at least. Or are you in the group of eight, on the border, uncommitted, unresolved, uninvolved, uh, and unreliable? Maybe in the group of three, nearer, but still sleeping at the crisis time, or the group of one, alone, but submissive, praying, not my will, but thine be done. The closer to the inner garden with its vigorous battle that you are, the smaller the group. Now, you and I sing, All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. But I wonder if we really mean that or if we're just reading words that somebody else meant. We ought to, when we sing, we ought to mean what we're singing. Amen? Amen? And that's, when we sing that, we ought to mean what we're singing. There's a difference in position of the four groups. There's a difference in size of the four groups. And finally, we see that there's a difference in responsibility of the four groups. Difference in responsibility. For example, uh, the group of one, Judas, he's given no responsibility. He couldn't be trusted to have a responsibility. 
Jesus knew that Judas was a devil. He was a wolf among lambs. He called him the son of perdition. He was planning a scheme behind Christ's back. So he knew that he was disgruntled and that he would betray him. And Jesus simply told him to leave and what thou must do, do what? Quickly. Do it quickly. Whatever you're going to do, go do it. There's a difference in responsibility. Notice now, click carefully, verse 36 in our text. 26-36. The group of eight were told to sit. The responsibility that Christ could give them was to sit. The only thing that he could rely on them to do was just sit here. He didn't ask them to struggle with him, speak up for him, even pray, even watch. Jesus knew them too well. He told them, I just want you to sit. What are you doing for Christ these days? I'm looking out at a good church. In a good church, everybody ought to be involved. In a good church, everybody ought to be at all the services. In a good church, everybody ought to be interceding for the pastor and the ministries here. In a good church, everybody ought to be having daily devotions. Amen. Family devotions. Amen. Everybody in a good church ought to be reaching out to the lost. They ought to be giving of their tithes and offerings faithfully. What are you doing? Are you out on the fringe? Maybe you've just gotten there. Maybe you just kind of backed off. I don't know. I'd hate to think that the only thing that Christ could ask of me was to sit. Jesus said, you just sit here. What a pity. What an embarrassment. After all that Jesus Christ has done for us, what an embarrassment that all he could ask of them was to sit. All he would ask of me would be to sit. That larger crowd within could do so much uh, and do the work of God and help the church so much if only they would surrender. But they're too interested in all the things they're wrapped up in in their world. And they've gotten away from their surrender. Let's be honest. Can we be honest today, saints? We're making too many excuses for not being in God's house, for skipping services, for never bringing anybody with us, for not having devotions. We've got an interruption for everything and an excuse for everything that we know that God wants us to be doing. And that puts us out on the periphery. We excuse ourselves for being late time and time again. Don't be known as a sitter who lets everyone else do all the work and all the soul winning and all the, the praying. Don't have the reputation that all Christ can ever expect of you is to sit. Teenager, young adult, don't be a sitter. Mom and dad, don't be a sitter, a spectator. When I was assistant pastor in the 80s in Ohio, my wife um, would work the night shift. We didn't earn a lot in the ministry, and so she, she's an RN, and, 
she would work in a nursing home and work the night shift, and she'd come home on Sunday mornings at 7.20. She got off at 7, 20 minutes later, she would walk in the door on Sunday morning. She'd put the meal on and uh, review her Sunday school lesson to teach. And then she'd get the three kids up and get them dressed and fed. We'd go to church, and she'd play the piano and teach her Sunday school class and sometimes do a bus route. We'd come home from church, and lunch was over at about 1.15. She'd crawl in bed finally and get about three hours of sleep, get up around 4.30 for choir practice because she was in the choir. And possibly she took her rotation with the nursery and working in the nursery. So some Sunday nights she had to turn around and work in the nursery. Listen, listen to me. Some Christians are babying themselves way too much. We're getting too soft. We're not the strong metal that we used to be. And we're not forging through and staying with the stuff like we used to. And we need to. Maybe you're one of those who's babying himself or herself too much. We do have Sunday school and no one here knows so much Bible that they can afford to miss Sunday school. Church here doesn't start at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. It starts at 10. And we need to be in Sunday school. Every believer in Jesus Christ who wants to learn the Bible ought to be here and change their schedule to get here for Sunday school. Amen, that's good preaching right there. Just park right there, preacher. <laughs> we have Sunday night service. We have midweek service. We ought to commit ourselves to be here when the doors are open to hear the preached word and sing the songs of Zion and be an encouragement to someone else. Say, well, I don't need maybe that much. Well, maybe somebody needs you. Why don't you come with the idea of being a blessing and being there for somebody else and being here to encourage the preacher if nobody else? Amen. <clears throat> I think that some are getting too used to sitting. God is calling you out of your comfort zone to start coming to all the other services now, again. Maybe you used to do that, but you haven't done it for a while. Maybe you can't. Maybe you have a physical malady, and that's certainly possible, but that's not true of most. And so, be here. There's a difference in responsibility. I heard about a man who hired a maid, and turned out that she was very slow. I mean, everything she did was slow. He said, don't you do anything fast? And she said, yeah, I get tired fast. <laughs> oh, boy. Another fellow wanted to join the armed services, and the recruiter said, well, you know, there's a number of armed services that you could choose from. Which one do you want to go? Which branch? He said, you can join the Air Force. You can travel by air. You can join the Navy. Travel by water, you can join the army, travel by land. And the fellow interrupted him and said, well, don't you have something called the Coast Guard where I can just coast? Now, my nephew was in the Coast Guard, and I, I know, and he knows, and we all know that the Coast Guard doesn't coast. But this fellow thought that's what it meant. That describes the attitude of this group of eight. They just sit there. They seldom give a 20 or a 50 to a special offering. They seldom give of their time. They say, I'm praying for you, but they don't follow through and pray for them. They don't even make a plan to pray for them. Uh, they 
never get excited, never volunteer, never lift a finger, uh, to never bring a person to church. They have no vision. Ladies and gentlemen, we're believers of Jesus Christ. We are the present-day disciples of Christ. And we ought to press into the innermost sanctum with Him. I, uh, not, uh, Psalm chapter 91, uh, secret place of the Most High God. We need to be in there with Him and not be out on the fringe somewhere. They just sit. Church to them is just coming and sitting until they come next Sunday and sit. There's a difference in responsibility. Well, the third group of three were asked to watch and pray. Now, in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, go there with me, please. I'll irrigate my voice again. The third group. He said, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The farther you go with Christ, the more responsibility he gives you. He didn't give Judas this responsibility. He didn't give the eight on the fringe this, this, this responsibility. The more that you draw back from Christ, he gives you little or no responsibility. So nearer to Christ, more responsibility. Farther from Christ, distant from Christ, minimal responsibility. But remember, little responsibility means little to no rewards when you get to heaven. So he gives us responsibilities that we may honor and glorify him. And so we ought to want responsibility. We shouldn't shy away from responsibility. The fourth group was asked to pray, to sacrifice, to surrender, to do whatever the Father wanted him to do, and this is the ultimate responsibility. Now, let's shift gears. Go with me to uh, Acts chapter 17, and I'll close the message. Just 40 days later, See what could happen in every church. Forty days later, in the early church, they all got in one mind and one accord to be surrendered. They all came into the garden, into the innermost, if you will, please. It was really the upper room. And they got in one mind and one accord. The eight refused to sit on the periphery now. Same eight disciples said, I'm not sitting out there any longer. I'm coming in uh, to the prayer meeting. I'm going to be in where the battle's going on. I'm going to get in one accord, one mind. The three had decided that watching was not enough, praying was not enough, and they weren't going to sleep anymore. Ten days they got together, and they had a prayer meeting, and they had unity. They all surrendered to do the will of the Father, and they saw scores of people come to Jesus Christ. God supplied some preachers out of that group that were in one accord and in prayer. Those who had come together, those now that are in the battle, those who are in the, the prayer sanctuary. This is what the Bible says happened in Acts 17 and verse 6. Acts 17, 6. 
And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Representing the Christians, these 11 disciples now had a reputation of turning the world upside down because they refused to sit on the periphery any longer. Because they refused to fall asleep any longer when it's time to pray, when it's time to get together with the believers in prayer. They refused. We see in the passage four groups. The group of one, disgruntled, complaining, criticizing, undermining, forsaking the church, leaving, betraying God's leader. And by the way, 1 John 2.19 is still in the book. And it says they went out from us because they were not of us. Again, the group of eight on the fringe, closer to Judas, really, who just sit. We have the group of three that's nearer to Christ, who are only asked to pray and watch, but they, they can't even stay awake. And the group of one who presses to the center of the garden and surrenders everything to the Father, and the Father's will, and he fights the battle. In which group are you? The future of this church depends on your answer. What Freedom Baptist Church will be able to accomplish in the coming months and year uh, depends on your answer today. Which group are you in? Surrendered groups turn communities upside down. Surrendered groups are made up of surrendered individuals. They are willing to throw their hat in the ring and volunteer to help. They go to the pastor and they volunteer and they're faithful to what they volunteer to. Will you be one who will surrender your will to his will? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Four groups in the church. Before you can be in one of these groups, you must be born again. You must weigh the claims of Christ and his sacrifice on Calvary and decide, you know what, I need to repent of my sins and receive Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. I wonder if there's somebody in this building tonight or today, eternity is hanging in the balance. If you died without Christ right now, you know you go to hell. It is urgent and you want to receive Christ as your Savior. Could I see your hands or somebody like that? You would like to receive Christ as your Savior. Then, Christian, how surrendered are you after all? If Christ would come right now today and you would stand before him, would he agree with your initial thought that you are totally surrendered? Would he? Have you surrendered all? Are you involved in doing his will, volunteering? Who would say, preacher, I want to yield everything to God. God's prompted me about this thing. I want to give it all to him. I love him. He loves me. I don't want to be just a sitter. I want to give it all. Could I see your hands or somebody like that? I appreciate that. God bless you. Though you may put your hands down. I wonder who would say, I don't want to be out on the periphery just sitting. Satan has been working on me to let up a little and let up a little more and, and uh, just not problem myself with the burdens of the church. 
I don't want to be merely close to the action, but still sleeping. I want to be in the middle of God's work at Freedom Baptist Church. Pray for me, preacher. Could I see your hands or somebody? I want to be right here in the middle of it all. God bless you. It must be eight, ten hands. Somebody else? Somebody else? I don't want to leave you out. Finally, maybe there's a situation in your life that you're fighting right now. And you know what God wants, but you've been struggling with it. But this morning, you want to pray, Lord, have thine own way. Not my way, but thine. Not my will, but thine be done. Could I see your hand? Slip it up, back down. Situation. I'm giving this situation over to you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Now let's bow for prayer. Everyone's standing, but we'll bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, now thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge once again, Lord. We don't want to be out on the, the edge. We don't, certainly don't want people to think we're out on the edge. But Lord, sometimes that's exactly where we've been. That's where we've come to. Lord, you want to get us back in the fray. You want to get us back in the middle. You want to get us back in the battle. You want to get us back in leadership and, and, and uh, uh, fighting the good fight of faith again. I pray, O oh Lord, for those who have been out on the edge, Lord, bring them back in. Those who have been in the inner but fallen asleep at the wheel. I mean, they're just they're not awake for you like they should be, and they've allowed distractions to come again in their life. Lord, they don't want to stay there. They raise their hand. They don't want to stay there. Help them, Lord, to be challenged this morning and to shake themselves away, awake for you. Others to shake themselves into the inner battle. Help us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If the Lord has prompted you, it's time for you to move. Step out and let's make that dedication afresh.